Hi, and welcome to the Distinction Podcast. This episode is all about how to transform performance in your organization by creating a coaching culture. Coaching has become one of the fastest growing learning and development interventions in organizations today. But today, a lot of the focus has been on actually developing the skills. But it's vital that we develop an environment and a culture that promotes, supports and rewards coaching and allows it to thrive. So in this podcast, Danny and I have done an exhaustive review of the research, haven't we, Danny? We have. It's definitely <laughs> been of, exhaustive. A lot of research. Um, so we're going to help you build the case for coaching in your organisation, define what is coaching and what is a coaching culture, help you break down the different stages as you build a coaching culture, and then leave you with five essential steps that you need to take to actually develop a coaching culture in your organization. Great, thanks, Garen. So as Garen said, workplace coaching's come a really long way in a short time. It was originally conceived as a remedial process, a kind of method of personalized intensive training to address and cure management deficiencies. But it's been a big shift in the perception of coaching. And these days it's predominantly seen as a force for good, a you know, positive change, and a method of reinforcing and stimulating success. So that interesting coaching thing is in part a response to the changing nature of our organisations and the roles of managers. So hierarchies are much more flatter than they ever were, which means a bigger jump between levels for new managers. So managers need additional support to make that leap successfully. And the new challenges in our workplace place a much heavier emphasis on some of the more personal aspects of management. So things like gaining trust, developing people, encouraging and empowering others, nurturing effective relationships, communicating, influencing. And coaching is just a really effective way of developing these skills. So historically, access to coaching was available primarily to senior leaders through engagements with external coaches. Um, but now, as the number of managers and leaders using coaching skills grows, coaching approaches are being disseminated throughout our organisations to drive performance and development. And a recent survey found that up to 80% of managers these days are expected to act as coaches within their organisations. Yeah, and it's a really good point. And um, the research sort of finds there's two reasons broadly for why there is a shift in expectations for managers to provide more coaching. So number one is there's a growing expectation that managers will take responsibility for their direct reports development rather than more sort of centralised services like L&D and HR. And also there's been an increasing shift um, in management approaches. So it's moving from a directive management style, sort of more command and control towards a new approach, which is based around inclusion, involvement, participation, and just much more people progressive. So we don't make an assumption that coaching works so it's really important to actually examine the evidence base as to what does coaching actually deliver well it's safe to say I haven't gone through just extensive numbers of papers and there is a there's a, a huge body of knowledge isn't there Danny about there coaching is. yeah there's a huge um, amount out there yeah that coaching has just been really proven to transform performance and it is a lever to help you achieve your organizational strategy. So there's been lots of meta-analysis of research done uh, for coaching benefits. And the overwhelming message from the literature is that coaching is a worthwhile investment of time and money for the organizations that have used it. Um, and that coaching is an effective tool for improving the functioning of individuals in organizations as well. Um, what's also really compelling is that there's financial benefits. So Zeng and Falkman reported that the effective coaching raises things like employee commitment and engagement, uh, improves productivity, increases retention rates, mm. enhances customer loyalty, 
um, and just improves employees' perceptions of, of upper-level leadership as well. Um, there's a whole host of intangible benefits as well. So it's been proven to actually improve relationships, um, improve teamwork, uh, create positive behavioural ch uh, behavior change related to decision-making. And also people have developed an, an increased reflexive capacity. So that basically means that they just, they're more prone to actually do strategic thinking. Um, and also they benefit from decreased stress, increased resilience and well-being, which potentially sort of post-COVID is a really important area. Um, it's also got a hard edge to it, and it's also been proven to sort of deliver business results and performance. So some recent research from the Human Capital Institute and the International Coaching Federation found that a strong coaching culture correlates with higher employee engagement. So they found that um, organizations with a strong coaching culture actually had on average 12% higher engagement than in organizations. So if you're an organization that actually measures engagement, you'll actually really appreciate how much of a significant, statistically significant number that is. And um, what the HCI also found is that organizations with a strong coaching culture report recent revenue increases above their industry peer group as well. So it's a really compelling case to actually take to senior leaders with it as well. Right, thanks, Karen. So while the state, while the evidence on the kind of impacts and benefits of coaching is clear, we're far from a place where coaching is embedded as a way of working in the majority of organisations. There was a 2016 study that found only 17% of people felt their organisations had strong coaching cultures. That increased increased year on year, but it's still a, a minority of people in organisations. And only 20% of manager coaches surveyed felt their organisations actually valued coaching, even though coaching was a core expectation of their role. So just having coaching taking place in your organisation isn't enough. That doesn't guarantee results are going to um, transpire. Your organisation has to really support it. And studies have highlighted that the positive impact from coaching comes when an organisation is strategically designed and implemented it systemically. Which is quite an incredible stat. So th there's 80% of organisations are not um, supporting their managers and coaching yeah so so I think it's really important to define what is coaching before we mm -hmm. get started so um, yeah there are some misunderstandings about it so it's important just to say coaching is not about a nice chat <laughs> um, it's something that's actually sort of personally tailored to learning um, um, and it's objective and it utilizes feedback as well um, it needs to be based on dialogue between the coach and the coachee and the goal really is to explore um, growth opportunities, deepen someone's learning, unlock an employee's potential, and that's all in the service of achieving individual team and organisational goals. Um, it's a step on from just providing feedback because it's about helping someone learn and improve. Um, and coaching can actually be a, a different range of interventions. So, you know, the, the first place it kind of starts is the traditional annual performance review, all into sort of coaching in the moment and sort of the more recent uh, invention of stay interviews where we meet with our staff regularly just to see what, what will help you stay. And coaching can be a really useful part of that. Um, it's also interactive. So while the coach provides feedback and objective perspective, um, the coachee is held wholly accountable for deliver taking the steps to produce the results that he or she desires. Mm. Um, there's a lot of coaching definitions out there. We really like the Sanger one. Um, and what he says is, is it's about helping professional people to reflect upon their work in a frank and rigorous way and to establish new patterns of behavior as a consequence. 
And really there's kind of four main types of uh, coaching in organizations. So there's external coaches, and that's something that Danny and I do a lot in organizations. So we're actually called in and commissioned by a manager or HR. Um, there's one where you can develop an internal pool of coaches. So you have, uh, you know, and these guys are actually allocated and deployed to different individuals in the organization. You can have the manager acting as a coach for their team, or you can have sort of peer-to-peer -peer coaching. So if you're on a team and you have a piece of knowledge that another person needs, then coaching is a really effective method of actually sort of um, helping someone develop that knowledge. Great, thanks. So we've identified that coaching works, and we've also seen that organisations don't generally support managers to apply coaching effectively. So the place to really focus our efforts on is developing a coaching culture. But what does that really mean? So to paraphrase Peter Hawkins, who spent a lot of time working with organisations to transform their cultures, it's about coaching becoming an integral part of how the leaders and managers and staff engage and develop all of their people and engage with their stakeholders. It's just how things get done in your organisation. So David Clutterbuck and David Meganson have done some great research into coaching, how coaching cultures evolve. So we're going to take you through our simplified version of their four stages, but we'll also signpost you to the original research if you want to follow it up. So the first stage of a coaching culture is what we call embryonic. So at this stage, there's little or no commitment in the organisation to creating a coaching culture. Some coaching is happening, but it's variable in frequency and quality. Senior leaders aren't really role modelling coaching or its importance. And coaching behaviours are abandoned in the face of more urgent kind of demands on a manager's time. The second stage in this body where a lot of organisations find themselves is emerging. So at this particular stage, organisations actually recognise the value of coaching. Um, but there's very little sort of shared understanding of what it means and, and what is actually involved in coaching as well. Um, it's often regarded as an HR-led initiative rather than sort of senior leaders actually commissioning the work. And coaching behaviours are just not integral to the management approach within the organisation. So it's not baked into people's objectives um, and people aren't appraised against it either. So the third stage of developing a coaching culture is what we've called developed. So at this point, there's been considerable effort invested to build competence and confidence in coaching. Managers are starting to be recognised and rewarded for using coaching through formal organisational performance management processes. And senior leaders are accepting of the need to demonstrate good practice. And most, if not all of them, are setting an example by coaching others and being open about the fact they've been coached themselves. Formal coaching processes are working pretty well, but there's less evidence of informal coaching going on. And, and the final stage is, is what we call thriving. So at this stage, you know, meaningful coaching is embedded into daily life and processes. It's just what we do as an organisation. Organization. Um, senior leadership are fully invested in it um, and people at all levels are engaged in coaching both formal and informal with and across functions business units and teams um, and people at all levels are having open conversations with each other and it's a real kind of you know pull not push strategy so people actually seek out and develop coaching relationships without being told to by HR or their manager as well so if there's such an overwhelmingly and compelling case for coaching and there is a pathway to doing it why don't organizations coach their people at scale what's well, a really interesting research by the icf found that some of the reasons are that 48 percent of organizations just cite a lack of time as the main impediment to coaching mm. it's just we're so busy doing the work uh, when we've got external pressures on us so coaching just gets put to the side but that's not really an excuse you know you have to weave coaching into your daily practice um, 34 percent say managers aren't held accountable for applying coaching skills so it's, it really doesn't hold back my career whether I do or whether I don't apply coaching 
and 28% say leaders are still using a command and control style rather than a more rather than a more people progressive approach. Yeah, I think some other common myths that pop up are, are still that perception that coaching is just for people who've got problems and not for successful high potential people, which is not the case at all. That coaching is just for senior managers and leaders, um, not for not for everyone else. And that coaching is just too touchy feely. It's a bit like therapy. <laughs> we do hear that a lot, don't we? We do. <laughs> it's not. It's not touchy feely. No. No. I think there's also a real impatience around kind of impatience around results. There's this perception it's going to take a long time to see the results of coaching. Yeah, and and I, this is really important for organisations to understand. You know, if people can sort of see the kind of results that are going to achieve. So, as a learning process, leadership coaching has both immediate and what we call delayed developmental outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, just give you an example of both types here. So, immediate coaching outcomes tend to include things like um, increased confidence and self-efficacy in their role. Um, which can make a huge impact on performance. Um, more inclined to try and refine different communication styles, so they'll develop more behavioural flexibility and you know adapt their approach to get better outcomes with their stakeholders. And they're more inclined to sort of slow down and listen to others more and take other people's feedback and insights on board. And also they develop an increased interest in feedback. So people start to really get an understanding of their impact. Um, the delayed coaching effects tend to include things like um, developing greater openness to trying new approaches over time. So broadening their repertoire, um, development of identity as a leader and confidence in that identity. So that's what we call that sort of transformational mindset, that kind of shift from, from me being focused on me as an individual contributor and instead focus on we, the team or the organisation and also um, becoming more reflective over time. So therefore becoming more strategic and assessing things like the implication of different courses of action and understanding the trade-offs from a different direction. Yeah, there's some really interesting research out there that 80% of coaches don't recognise those delayed learning effects of coaching. So it's worth being aware that, you know, when you're going through coaching, development occurs in a series of cycles. So what this means is there'll be periods where there seems to be little change, and then that'll be followed by more intensive periods of rapid change. So it's just worth bearing that in mind when you're thinking about being coached or or watching other people who've gone through coaching. Great. So you might be persuaded that a coaching culture is what you need. And we certainly believe that it's a great way of releasing the collective IQ of your organisation. It means you can access the talent and potential and wisdom of your people. You've done the hard work to recruit great people. So you want to be able to keep them, develop them and and really release that latent potential and let your organisation and your teams fly. But before you get started, you need to take time just to establish if you're ready for the journey. It's inevitably going to have some challenges. You're going to be asked people to make significant changes in how they work. And for some, it's going to be challenging their very identity, particularly as a leader, giving up that directive kind of control and command approach so how do you know if you're ready so we've identified five readiness factors to consider when you're thinking about developing a coaching culture first up it's senior leader ownership secondly strategic alignment the third one's investment of time and resources fourth is coaching orientation and fifth is clarity of expectations so we'll get into those in a bit more detail now so the first change readiness factor we've identified is senior leader ownership So senior leaders need to really understand what coaching is and what establishing a coaching culture means. They need to understand what's that going to mean for the organisation. They need to have experience of both being coached themselves and coaching others. And they need to be ready to role model that and be open about it. They need to share a collective vision for coaching and ready as a group to position and champion that throughout the organisation. And they need to have made a mindset shift. They need to understand that you know, there's going to be an initial and ongoing investment of time and resources in coaching in order to reap those longer term benefits. 
Brilliant. Thanks, Danny. So um, the second uh, change readiness step is strategic alignment. So this is where the organization sees the use of coaching as mission critical. So this is how we achieve our strategy. So establish a true coaching culture. You need to link coaching to your business strategy. So the capabilities required to achieve the strategy are identified and coaching is, de is defined as a key contributor to developing that capability. And the organizational success measures actually include the coaching outputs and outcomes. Um, and there's an understanding that coaching competence needs to be connected to reward. So people actually you're potentially remunerated for it. And people are actually hired based on their coaching ability and people's performance is assessed against it. And promotion, and it also uh, drives promotion decisions and incentives. Um, and we also need to ensure that people receive feedback on their use of coaching and that people are promoted for using their coaching skills and not just for achieving their number. Great, thanks, Karen. So the third readiness factor is being willing to invest time and resources in coaching. So you need to have a willingness to offer coaching to everyone at all levels of the organisations, to individuals of all ages and experience levels. Training to use coaching skills needs to be funded and on offer to everyone. So the research shows that 87% of people in organisations with strong coaching cultures report that that training has been instrumental in helping them build that coaching culture. You need to have tools and resources to support new coaches and they need to be readily, readily available and promoted. And you need to be ready to establish communities of practice and have supervision arrangements in place to support coaches to continue to develop their skills. And lastly, people need to be given time to coach as part of their day to day work. Brilliant. And um, the fourth change readiness step is coaching orientation. So it's about establish to, to establish a successful coaching culture, you need to take a systemic approach. So how does your system support and encourage coaching? So for example, it's important to examine whether individuals have an appropriate level of degree of autonomy in their roles. You know, there's just no point coaching people to make decisions if they don't have freedom to act. Um, and coaching is a shift in lead mindset as well. So establish if your leaders are ready to give up the degree of power and responsibility that comes with a coaching culture. You know, are your leaders and managers ready to move from a directive leadership approach of telling and giving advice to a coaching approach where they support people to figure things out for themselves? Um, and managers are, are ready not to punish for failure, but to support learning from mistakes. You know, coaching an employee through a mistake is, is just a much better approach. And an effective leader helps their team to learn from their errors to avoid them in the future. And a flow on benefit of this approach uh, to managing mishaps is that it actually builds greater trust between leaders and, and their direct reports. So the fifth readiness factor is a clarity of expectations. So everybody in your organisation needs to understand what coaching is and what it isn't. Managers need to be really clear on expectations of them with regards to coaching. They need to take time in their one-to-ones to coach. They need to identify coaching and the opportunities in the flow of work. And everybody needs to understand what, what coaching and being coached means for them day to day. They need to be ready to learn and grow and ready to shift from being told the answers and being directed to working things out for themselves with the support of their coach. And it's also important to be really open with people about the journey you're embarking on and the challenges, the risks and the changes that are going to need to, to, make, to happen to make coaching a success. Brilliant. So it's been a, a short, sharp guide about defining what coaching is, the different steps in building a coaching culture and some really useful steps on how to do it as well. So this is uh, one of two podcasts that we're running on coaching. The next session is all a really tactical guide to how to actually coach in your organisations effectively. Um, and I guess we we'll just want to leave you with a couple of questions to think about in your own organisation. So thinking about, you know, if you're about to embark on that journey, how much coaching is currently going on in your organisation? How good is it? 
what's your starting point and where do you think the challenges will be as you embark on this culture change and um, the, the one last piece of advice we'd sort of leave you with is that it's really important to build a coaching culture based on finding those pockets of good practice that are happening right now you know find your enthusiasts on this um, and that really demonstrates to the rest of the organization what is possible